0: We got a real simple plan, one me and one mission. Georgia has won the national championship. Yeah!
1: Touchdown! If you're a fan, you might think this is sports heaven. This might be college football.
2: This is ESPN's
0: College Game Day podcast. Now alongside Pete Thamel is Reese Davis.
1: Who's got iced tea and who's bringing the liquor? What you gotta realize about Michigan's quarterback decision and what you forgot about Michigan's quarterback decision. Thursday night slate of games coming up. Time to pick some winners. This is the College Game Day podcast for Wednesday, August 31st. Reese Davis and Pete Thammel here. We anticipate that David Pollack will join us in just a little while. Are you an iced tea or a liquor guy, Pete? Well,
2: I'm gonna be honest, I like both. <laughs> <laughs> Together. <laughs> You know, it is not something I generally have together. I drink a very healthy amount of unsweetened iced tea. I didn't really start drinking coffee till the pandemic, um, which meant I, you know, gotten my 40s basically without drinking coffee, which is antithetical to print journalism, you know, stereotypes, uh, which is my background. But uh I do, you know, a big old Starbucks unsweetened iced tea um is is good and I I've also been known to drink a big old Tito's and soda. So, um yeah, well, no, I I don't discriminate.
1: If everybody. you if you don't know exactly what you're talking about, then why aren't you monitoring every college football press conference the way we do? Arkansas' Sam Pittman uh, was explaining the approach of how you decipher personnel when you don't know exactly who's going to be in the game and how quickly you have to make these decisions. Uh, Taylor, do you have that? You have that clip to play from Sam.
0: You know I think the first couple series are gonna be really important to figure out kind of you know what they're bringing to the party, you know some guys bring iced tea and some guys bring liquor and you just gotta figure out what they're bringing I, mean, you, I go go into go into two minute offense you'll figure out what kind of party you're going to on the first play. They start, They come after you, you're going home, okay. This is what kind of party it's going to be. Or they'll drop eight and you got to dink and dunk and get down in there. So
1: (laughs) So, so Sam is talking about scouting Cincinnati and figuring out who's going to bring it and who's going to get wild and who's going to kind of sit back and just sip and wait. So what do you think he's going to get? Is he going to get a little – is he going to get some hard liquor? from Cincinnati or is he going to get the nice, nice, sweet iced tea?
2: Do you think, uh, Evan Prater and Ben Bryant, who are the two quarterbacks dueling for the Cincinnati job, sat around in the locker room yesterday and said, no, I'm the hard liquor. That's right. <laughs> no, the hard liquor. You're the iced tea. <laughs> All right. I'm the hard liquor.
1: <laughs> that, and you know, Ben Bryant is, is one of the, he's going to be one of the guys. I don't know. The other guys should listen to our podcast. I don't know if they do Meaning, you know, Herb Street and Desmond David, Coach, but we're going to do a thing about where did he land. Basically, the various quarterbacks. Ben Bryant has to be on that list, having started at Cincinnati, gone to Eastern Michigan, back at Cincinnati. Perhaps we'll be playing against uh, against Arkansas. And Hunter Johnson's in that boat too, back at Clemson yeah. now, though he's not not in the mix to play. What do you think? What do you think about that game, Cincinnati and Arkansas? I, I think it's one because of the attention in the uh, game where college game day will be at Ohio State, Notre Dame and Ohio State, Oregon and Georgia, even Utah and Florida. That matchup of two ranked teams is flying under the radar just a little bit, and Arkansas has got a really difficult schedule. It could be another opportunity for Cincinnati to show that it wasn't just, you know, one great season, that they have a program that can sustain and go and, and win a game on the road like that. Yeah.
2: Well, certainly I'm fired up to be at our game day game, right? It's going to be an unbelievable game. Uh, Notre Dame, Ohio state uh, atmosphere will be through the roof. I actually think that Cincinnati, Arkansas and Florida, Utah are better games, meaning like those have a better chance to with three minutes left in the fourth quarter, a quarterback's under center with 80 yards to go or 50 yards to go to kick a field goal, to tie tire win. Like I think both of those games loom as that. So, I, uh, I, I'm i really curious to see how Cincinnati re- reloads. Uh, I was lucky enough last year, Reese, to spend a week with the Bearcats. I embedded for a story for Yahoo and uh, got there the Sunday after – Oregon, Ohio State, drove down, and then spent, spent the week with them before they went and played Indiana, which, of course, they were down 14-0 and had five false starts on their first four possessions, which were all three and out, and I was like, this might have been the biggest waste of time um, mm-hmm. that I've ever had. Then they went on and beat Indiana, but I, I'll never forget that feeling because I was like, this is what it's like to gamble on games, except I gambled with my time. Um, so long story short, I've been, I've been able to see the Bearcats up close and kind of had a front row seat to that magical season last year with, with Desmond Ritter and would they have nine guys drafted yeah. like that. I mean, it was a, it was, it was a talented, talented group. And I swung through there in the spring on the way to the, uh, combine Indies, Indies really only two hours from Cincinnati. So I flew to Cincinnati, I drove over and you could tell from Luke fickle, uh, who I've known for a long time that there was like a there was an edge there. There was like, everybody thinks they're going to forget about us. And this is really like, as a coach, he was like, this is the true test of the program. And what we built now going into year six, Um, this is, this is where we are. So I, I think Cincinnati is going to be uh, going to really go in there. Let's put this way. They're going to show a heck of a lot better than Texas did there last season. Mm -hmm. Um, I, you know, some intel from uh fr- from the ground in Cincinnati uh this week I was on Chad Brendel's radio show there who's a longtime Bearcat reporter this week and made a few calls to Cincy today actually and so they have Deshaun Pace is probably their most decorated defensive player and their their best uh, NFL prospect. He's a he's a junior linebacker. He's kind of like a ball hawk turnover guy. And his but is brother, he the I'm,
1: best? Is he the best player in his family
2: on defense? Well, that that's what I was just going to say. His brother came in after getting 125 tackles from from Miami of Ohio. And Brady Collins, their excellent strength coach, who gets a lot of credit for developing all these three stars into draft picks, got his hands on Ivan Pace, and Ivan Pace has been a dynamo. Uh, so far. They he is the buzz guy of camp um at Cincinnati this year. So I'll be really curious. They got a loaded linebacker group. Um, they, they, Luke felt best about their defensive line um because they have a decent amount of returning starters. So there's there's a feeling there and they obviously have some you know some situations in the secondary they have to rectify with a bunch of guys drafted and no sauce. Um, but they really feel like they that front seven can go toe to toe with uh, you know with with anybody. So I am uh, I'm excited to see that because that's uh, that that's going to be a really fascinating uh, game. Who do you, who do you like there, Reese? Well, we we don't pick it, but just generally, what's your feel?
1: Uh, my my feel is is Arkansas because it's so difficult to play there. Um, but the one thing I like about Cincinnati's chances is that they have experience on the offensive line. Now, if, if the quarterback doesn't get it done and, you know, they're, they're replacing some skill guys for sure, with you know, Alec Pierce and the like being gone, Jerome Ford. But they have guys in the trenches that should be able to keep them from getting rattled. And Pace was the Mid-American Conference Defensive Player of the Year that you mentioned. So they've got guys that can make disruptive plays. I lean Arkansas right now but I'm not totally sold on it. What I don't even, what is the spread on that game? That's a, that's a, that's a Here, good question. I'm going to, I'm going to look, I'm going to look right now. Somebody should look that up for me. Taylor, you should have those questions
2: ready. When I ask that type of yeah. question, Taylor, you should be able to read Reese's mind or yeah. yeah,
1: it's Arkansas by a touchdown. So I would tell you that right now I'm inclined to take the Bearcats in
2: the points. Yeah. I, I'm, I the, I'm the same. I'm the same. And, uh, after getting a few text messages on Saturday, appreciative of uh, nudging a few folks to maybe take Northwestern uh, on the on the money line at thirteen point dogs, I I don't think a Cincinnati win is is completely uh, completely out of the question. I'll Nor do I. What the, what the yeah. weather is like, right? You know that could be you know depth could be an issue going into Fayetteville if it's one hundred ten uh, there. So that's something to uh, something to keep an eye on. Um, Cincinnati's defense, you have to remember that Luke Fickle and Marcus Freeman really built is designed was designed to stop UCF. So they got torched by UCF very early in their tenure. And they basically blew up what they did defensively and Luke blew up what he did defensively when he was the national title play caller at Ohio State. Um and they built defenses designed to 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 like the Arkansas offense to to stop what Josh Heupel was doing at UCF at the time which is in the same family tree of what Kendall Bryles does at uh, at Arkansas. So that aspect of that game I feel like they're they're fairly uh they're fairly prepared for.
1: But the one thing the one thing I would caution in that regard is that last year in the playoff Alabama didn't really have to throw they just they just ran over them and arkansas led the sec in rushing last year they've got a quarterback who adds another dimension to their running game mm-hmm. they were you know, i think they they were like two, a 200 200 team meaning averaging 200 yards rushing and 200 yards passing for the first time since 1971 and they too have some guys coming back on the offensive line
2: mm-hmm.
1: so that will tell the tale to me. Is even though with the Kendall Briles offense, can can they just run over people? Can they just run over Cincinnati in a similar fashion to what Alabama did in the playoffs and just sort of control the game by running the ball? Now the flip side of it will be that there's not going to be Will Anderson and Dallas Turner. You know chasing uh, Desmond Ritter as there was in the playoffs. But when Arkansas has the ball, I'll be really interested to see if Cincinnati can stand in there, even with the, with the pace brothers and stop them from running. And if they can't, it'll be a long, it'll be a long day. Also be interesting to see, and we're going to get to Thursday, but I mean, I, I'm trying to eliminate that from my vocabulary. It's interesting. To see, that's like such a crutch. What if the sec Two middle-of-the-pack SEC teams, maybe Arkansas, an upper-middle-class SEC team. What if two SEC teams lose home games to other big-time opponents being Utah and soon-to-be, quote-unquote, Power Five in Cincinnati?
2: I mean, that's... Perfectly reasonable. Uh um, yeah. With, without without giving away our pick spot, I think Utah has a really good chance to go I, there and I don't think they and, have a
1: really good chance. I think they should win and it'll yeah. be a significant disappointment if they don't.
2: Yeah. Well, it would certainly shake up what that four spot looks like. Like one I think one of the defining themes of this season is people are seeking seeking that fourth team. Now, I'm not quite sold on Georgia as the third team, as we've talked about a little bit here, but who who that kind of outlier team becomes? Does Clemson reemerge? Is, is there anybody on the West Coast? I'm skeptical of USC still, and still I see a little more empirical evidence. Is someone You know, from the Big Twelve, ready to really stake a stake a claim on it. Be it your Kansas State Wildcats, Reese. Be it Baylor. Be it Desmond's Baylor Bears. Um, you know, is Oklahoma? Is Texas ready? Probably not. Um, but you know, where do we go? And I think a a Utah loss to Florida really just kind of jumbles that even further because, quite frankly, they could go run the table in the Pac twelve and still be that team. They would just have to come back. So, Mm -hmm. um. But I think they declare themselves, Utah could declare themselves as the favorite outside of the blue, blue, blue bloods that we expect to be in the playoff every year to sort of join that crew. And and maybe be the next first-time playoff participant, which I believe would be the Pac-12's first playoff participant since Chris Peterson's Washington team in 16. That's right.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And just uh, the only ones they've had, they had Oregon the first year. And then – and then Washington in 16. I, I don't have any doubt about Georgia um, being the third team because of this. Uh, who's going to beat them? Yeah. And I know, I understand what they lost. And even if they take a step back, I'm not sure anyone's capable of beating them. It would be a better, in the regular season, I mean, it would be a better opportunity if they had to go to Knoxville. Now, there's a, you know, there's a tricky game uh, in Starkville maybe you know you can you can get caught snoozing a little bit but he always sure.
2: wins ones he shouldn't and loses right. one that you know like that's right. just the, the nature of that off that's In that's
1: what sense. he yeah that's what he does um you know I just don't see anyone else in the SEC. I I think Kentucky's a really good team, you know, and, and Levis is a talented guy rising up draft boards. I don't see how they're going to beat Georgia, but you know that's way down the line. Uh, mm-hmm. Georgia, I think, will take care of Oregon um, on on Saturday too. Um, a little early for the Ducks, I think, to come across the country and beat Georgia. And I think uh, Georgia is in. They are approaching a situation, maybe not to the level of Alabama's ability just to roll in the next guy, but they're right on the doorstep of it if they aren't there, and maybe they are there. I just don't think there's going to be this tremendous drop-off on their defense despite having all of those guys drafted last year. I think it'll be very, very not quite as good, but very similar looking.
2: I think if they win 45-3 to on Saturday – Again, they haven't done it for a decade like Saban has, but I think they they start to enter that conversation where that becomes the expectation. Right? Where yeah, five star becomes starter, becomes star, becomes draft pick <laughs> in three years. R- you know, rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat um, through you know through through that. I. I don't know what the line is either we're, we're revealing how often we bet here uh quickly today. Taylor Well oh, I, know, okay. I and, and
1: I don't yeah. I think it's 13 it's isn't it? I have it at
2: 17 and a half right now on okay. uh on on the app that I that I get uh that I get my scores off of. So um it's a lot of lumber, you know. I don't know. We, we, we could, we could, I could ask the existential Stetson Bennett's question here, but I just don't know if we want to go down that rabbit hole today. And it, it maybe we wait for Pollock, uh, who, who I'm getting the sense from watching the show, you know, our first week zero game day show on Saturday is a bit of a Stetson Bennett defender as hey, uh, you
1: know, Hey, let me tell you something. You can tell the people in the podcast last year, I was not late to the bandwagon on Stetson Bennett. I was driving the bandwagon. Pollock <laughs> and I co-piloted that. He, I don't know how many times I said it last year and Taylor can vouch for this. He was their best quarterback period. Not because JT got hurt. He was their best guy. He's good. You know, he, he's not big, but he's a really good player. And he was the best quarterback at Georgia last year. And I don't know why that's so hard for people to accept. Um, He's, I think he'll I think he'll be really good this year. Now, every mistake with him because he wasn't the recruit and he left and he went to Juco and he came back and even the offensive coordinator didn't want him to play, you know, for a long period of time last year. I'm not sure the head coach was sold on him for a period of time. Liked him as a guy, liked his competitiveness and his scrappiness, but as the guy took a while to get there. But he was the best player. And I just, you know, I don't know why. Maybe it was because I didn't have a horse in the race of who won their quarterback derby. But when you watched them throw the ball last year and watched the way the guys around them responded, it was like, why is he not playing? And then when they finally put him in and left him, then he then he did fine.
2: Yeah, I, uh, I, He's I agree He's fourth in the that.
1: nation in QBR.
2: <laughs> I agree with all that. Um, I will be curious with 17 guys gone, And there are, but you do have to admit, for everything you just said, I agree with. There are some limitations. Yes. Yes. There are some limitations. So, all I said, I didn't say it was better than
1: Bryce Young or CJ Stroud. I said he was the best guy at Georgia.
2: Yes. Yes. And so, with some of the built-in programmatic advantages negated. And again, he didn't have great receivers. That was you know, that was one thing that was that was clear. How many times did they target Brock Bowers in that SEC title game? It felt like he got like 26 targets because mm-hmm. you know, some of it is they they just don't Now they have the they have the best tight end tandem, it, you know, let's, let's pray Arik Gilbert, you know, it has everything together. Cause he seems like he could be a, you know, generationally good player. The, the little glimpses we saw of him earlier in his uh, earlier in his career. And he's obviously had some, some off field challenges that, you know, we sincerely hope that he's been able to, that he, that he's been able to face and overcome. Um, but you can't, Tell me right now that you feel great about Georgia's receiving core, non-tight end, you know, non-tight end version. Um, You know, you can't stand on the table and say that's an elite SEC group.
1: No, I I agree. And and what Arian Smith, who is, you know, their speed guy that they've really been waiting on, has an ankle situation that has cost him some time in camp. A.D. Mitchell was good late last season. But, you know, look, I agree with that. But with the with Bowers, who functions as almost a wide receiver, and uh, if Gilbert can go, and as far as I know, Darnell Washington's revved up and ready, right? Oh, I mean, oh, I mean, he's a
2: lunar eclipse. Yeah. Man, that guy. So
1: oh. I mean, you, you've got three, you've got three targets for him. That if the tight ends are always open, he's got three guys that are always going to be open. And you know, it'll be interesting to see schematically. Um, you know, what they're able to do to maximize mm-hmm. that with Todd Munkin and what their formations mm-hmm. look like and how, how defenses are able to counter that and, you know, what Stetson can do to occasionally take the top off to, yeah. um, to hit some of those wide receivers to give them a chance to make the play. And those things that you're talking about, whether it's limitations, schematic approach, number of targets, that's why Jermaine Burton took his national championship ring and moved to Tuscaloosa so that he'd get more targets than than he was going to get at Georgia.
2: Yeah, I'd be remiss if we didn't mention Lad McConkey, who is going to catch 752 yep. passes in the remainder of his career. Like it just he just seems like like a Patriot slot receiver. He's just going to be around and annoying for for a long time he he'll can just run be,
1: too, man. Oh yeah, no, I mean, he can he, move. he can yes. run. and yeah. He
2: will move those chains. Yes, know? he, he will. will. He will. He will move. He will move those chains. Uh, the, uh yeah, but I do. Uh, yeah, I'm. Yeah, I'm fascinated by that that game because I I was in Columbus last year when when Oregon came in and uh and picked the Buckeyes apart, uh, and so I and, and maybe that's in my without Kevin Thibodeau and I believe without Justin Flow, mm-hmm. uh, if memory serves me right. That's right. So You're right. Oregon's talented. Like Mario Cristobal built a recruiting juggernaut there. I don't say nobody left, but they they've kept a good majority of that talented core. They have a good offensive line. Like I don't think the places where you think of an SEC team having an advantage, you can say this for Florida, Utah too. Like Georgia has up front some like overwhelming, uh, you know, I- advantage in terms of heft and muscle. Um, like, like you may think if a, you uh, in a normal Pac-12 uh, SEC matchup and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, Utah obviously is, you know, that program has been built. Quietly for two decades on just rugged, big, strong interior linemen um, who've been able to hold their own and dominate that conference, obviously, recently.
1: And and also in that game, don't recall exactly how deep into the game it was, but even without Thibodeau and Flo, Sewell got kicked out too for targeting. I'm pretty sure he did.
2: So I, I actually don't remember that, but like we see a lot of games and a lot, there's a yeah, lot of names I know, that, I that, I that, think, that flow yeah, I through. Think, I just remember Joe Moore had run that little pitch play. Um, they just gashed them for like eleven yeah. yards every time, and, and, and Ohio State had no answer. Like, it's funny that you know we spent so much time talking about these games, covering these games, writing about these games, and then eventually games get distilled to like one memory, one 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 thing in your mind, right? Oh, that's the fake punt game. That's the this game. To me, that's the Ohio State had no answer game.
1: Yeah. Oh, you know what? I, I looked it up quickly. He probably should have gotten run for targeting, but he, okay. he got away with it. I think, but he, but he might have he might have hurt himself on the plate too.
2: He hit a lave, so that rings a bell now. Yeah, that that you say uh, that you yeah. say that. All that said, for as poorly as Ohio State played, they had a they had a pretty good chance to go over the top and yeah. tie the game late may that two mm-hmm. chances in the fourth quarter to go tie the game late i think somebody dropped a kind of a go route uh on the outside if my if, if memory serves uh if memory serves me right
1: uh, yeah they would not they would like to not have that happen uh, saturday against notre dame before we move know. on there are two things i'd like to mention first Fantasy Focus Football is firing on all cylinders with new episodes five days a week. ESPN fantasy football experts Field Yates, Stefania Bell, Mike Clay, and Daniel Dopp provide all the information you need to draft your fantasy football team for this season. Expert analysis, debates, news, and notes each weekday on Fantasy Focus Football. Listen wherever you get your podcast. And don't miss Hulu's Legacy, the true story of the L.A. Lakers, featuring never-before-seen archival footage of Kobe Bryant and 120 new revealing interviews from players like Shaq, Magic, and Kareem. Watch the 10-part documentary series. It chronicles the team's extraordinary story from the inside, and it's streaming now on Hulu. And we'd like to welcome in our buddy David Pollack. David, we're talking about we were just talking about Georgia and Stetson Bennett, and Pete didn't want to give me proper credit for being your co pilot and an early and uh, an early arriver on the Stetson Bennett bandwagon. Can you can you straighten him out and let him know that I was on the Stetson train real early?
0: should absolutely straighten him out. Oh, Pete was doing other ventures, Reese. You know, he had other things to do. I know we didn't know what he was doing, but he was doing other things, and he was busy, and, and I get it, but he probably didn't see Reese by God Davis jump on board. But, nah, you, you were definitely
2: on the Stetson Bennett train early. And You're still the there's Stetson Uber.
1: <laughs> so what do you um, – I the only the only questionable decision Stetson's made in the last year and a half is, is the haircut situation that we have had going on during practice, but uh, maybe we'll get to that later. What do you see? You've you've been around Georgia's team. What do you see in terms of the wide receiver groups? Know about the tight ends. What about the wide receivers?
0: I think they'll be sneaky good, Reese. I think they've got a lot of talent. Um, I think a lot of speed, like really good speed. I think A.D. Mitchell last year, if you're not familiar with him, he's the one who caught the the touchdown pass late in the ball game against Alabama. Um, That really was was a really nice... Nice catch by by AD. I watched him in the spring. recently. he he was he was way better than he was a year ago. Um, got some. His route running was more crisp. He looked more explosive. He looked more dynamic. Um, you know. So I think I think they got a, they got a couple of world class sprinter type guys that are running. You know, 10-100s, 10 10 like really really elite guys on the outside. Um, with CJ, like he's he's another guy who's going to be young. That's that's going to be a burner on the outside. Um, I, I think that the tight end room will get the the bulk of the, the work, and the tight end room will get the bulk of the credit. But I think they're actually set up on the outside um, really well. McConkey's still going to be there, and you know I'm a huge Lad McConkey fan. I think he's an absolute. I think he's an absolute stud, really good after the catch receiver, really good on bubbles, good, you know, great effort in blocking. He was a good deep threat, too. Um, I think I think the wide receiver room is going to be really, really good. I think the tight end room will be better. Um, but the wide receiver room, if you want to single them and you want to play single coverage on the outside, I think Georgia will make you pay.
2: Is Ladd McConkey related to Phil McConkie? He is not related to Phil McConkie. I didn't think so. but That's just a really odd coincidence that a prolific slot type receiver with the same last name. It's not like his name's Smith or Jones or Davis, right? Like that. that, Anyway, that's always been bizarre to me. Thank you for I I have googled that, and when you Google is Lad McConkie, like it's the first thing that comes up in Google. So
1: yeah, it's like uh, it's like the Alabama State coach in the Miack Swack. Challenged the other night, and I, I pointed out on game day just to make sure his name's Eddie Robinson Jr. played in the NFL forever, yep. but he's not related to the Grambling legend, even though yep. he's a, he's a head coach. So, right, David got well. First of all, how's coaching going? Dave, when David and I did this last year, we'd do well, what else are you doing? And it often turned to coaching. Are, are you still coaching them up the the pass rushers at and at the high school there?
0: Yes, sir. Still, still North County. We just we we graduated a little bit, Reese. Um, not a lot, by the way, but a little bit from from youth league football from uh, twelve. u with my son Nicholas, and now I'm working with the high school team, and it was flipping fantastic. I got my first Friday night experience under the huh. lights. Got to um, got to coach the defensive line. Got to like it was awesome. Got to prepare game plan um you know draw up something then go out and play and then you know we got to you know manipulate it as the game went on and change it as we saw fit and you know we beat uh we beat our cross town robber for the first time in four years and took care of business uh and and my actually my high school team Reese North Oconee Titans right now ranked second in the state in the state of Georgia in our classification and have a really really good football team but it's been a blast I'm heading to practice now like uh, going up oh. there to work with the kids, but it, it's how, how many
1: how many quarterback hurries, tackles for loss, and sacks did did we have Friday night?
0: We we had a good bit. I, I don't know the statistics. The stats aren't as uh, prevalent as as they are for us in college. That's for sure. Get um, true media about, on that, Pollock. <laughs> in. Of yeah, we could we could do that for sure. But the the kids, I mean, they played well. It's just interesting, you know, developing a thought process with them, and I'm like, do. You, We have a bunch of really good kids. Reese, you'll appreciate appreciate this. Probably about, like, Christopher School and really smart kids. And I'm like – at one point I think I said on the sidelines, do y'all like to make plays? Like, do we like to go make plays and sacks and tackle for a lot? Like, is that in our DNA? Because, like, I see y'all being a bunch of robots and, like, we're in our gap. But, like, let's go go celebrate. Let's go make a big play. And we made a couple big plays late, got a couple big sacks on the last drive to – to hold up the, uh, the R end of the bargain and and to win sixteen thirteen, so it was it was a nice uh, nice first fight of nights
2: under the lights. So that let me ask you this, David: If you had to model your coaching style after one defensive line coach in college football, are you like a Coach O. Barker? Are you like Larry Johnson, who's like a little bit of a Yoda? Like, where do you uh, where do you fall stylistically as a D line coach? <laughs>
0: That's a great question. I I think what I am right now with my role, um, you know, I'm not, I'm a lay coach. I'm not the the head coach and and I'm a defensive line coach, but we also have, you know, Coach Williams is a defensive line coach. I kind of need to be whatever I feel like the the room needs to be. So I guess Larry Johnson would be a good one. But my coach, one of my best friends who coaches defensive line, Brad, he's nuts, man. Like he's the guy with frost, you know, that white spit on the side of his mouth. (laughs) you know, like just yelling and screaming. And, and I, so I'm like, all right, bro, Alexis, come here, dude. Like, don't listen to what he, like how he's saying it. Just listen to what he's saying. Okay. Like, yeah. so I, I mean, I, you know, I, but it's, it's cool, man, because, you know, they speak a different language obviously than, than, than most of our generation, but I've been able to come to them and speak and, and talk to them. And I, and I have a lot of them out to my house and we go through workouts and, you know, in the summertime and stuff like that, whenever they want to, you know, work out and, really push them and really talk to them and try to be a mentor to them and, and share my faith. And um, so we, it's it's really been cool because a lot of them, you know, will text me all the time. And they text me, you know, on Saturday last week. and like, Coach, watching you on the show. And, um, you know, our, our, our audience tends to be a little bit older and the young kids don't tend to sit down and watch it. So it's been cool to kind of build a rapport with them and, and honestly kind of be what I need to be. Did,
1: did you see say- – not to jump subjects real quickly here, but did you see Harbaugh refer to his quarterback decision slash indecision as biblical and refer to Solomon and his wisdom? Did you see that?
0: I did. I did. I, I, wondered, I wondered what Reese Davis's thoughts were on that.
1: Well, here's what it is. What you got to realize is, first of all, Solomon knew not to split that baby, right? That's the first thing. <laughs> But if you dive I know a little, that. <laughs> if you dive a little deeper into that passage in First Kings, the other thing that you recognize that I think Jim might have forgot about here is that the mother who had inadvertently smothered her baby had the character flaw that she she stole a baby, right? She stole a baby. So her motivation like, like, yeah, stole stole, Yeah her motivation was not just to have a baby. It was so selfish that she didn't want the other woman to have a baby. So that's where Solomon's wisdom came in to say, Hey, I'm going to split the baby knew the mother would react because see, that was okay with the other woman, because that would mean that the, that the actual mother of the child didn't have a baby either. So see, you got it when you're, when you're trying, when you're going into these, uh, when you're referencing Solomon, you can't just go deeper because I think people sometimes just miss and go, well, what, he, were they actually going to let him split the baby? No. He knew that with the with the woman who had smothered her baby accidentally, he knew that she just yeah. didn't want anyone else to have any joy either. So I don't know that the quarterbacks are at that level where one of them will say, no, 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 for the good of the maize and blue, just let, just let Cade have it. I
0: don't think we're going to see that. I think um, when you and when you look at this situation, I think this situation has an absolute lot to do with. I, I think okay, I'll go. I'll go along with you, Reese, and, and the breakdown is: I think it's selfish of Jim Harbaugh because I think he wants to keep both guys. I, I think you want to not get guys to transfer, and you want to give them. Um, you know, you want to give them a try. Obviously, when you get to this point in the season. And, 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 you know, JJ dealt with some injuries this off season too, which to be fair, that's something that you had to deal with and not as many reps probably as you would have liked to seen. But I think the staff and everybody probably has a good idea of who they want. Um, but to do this, it's interesting. Maybe it works, dude. Maybe this is something that, that absolutely comes out and works. I just, I don't, I don't know that I've ever, ever seen it. That doesn't mean it doesn't, it isn't going to work real well, but I think that, uh, I bet you people in the in Michigan and I bet you the team, I bet you somebody believes there's a starter and whoever that, like, that they've earned it. But, you know, Harbaugh obviously dragging it out a little bit longer and maybe wants to see the on-field reps and, and maybe that will sway it a little bit in a different direction.
1: I, I do want to hasten to point out, Pete, that I'm not saying it won't work. I'm, I'm just yeah. saying that you have to fully think out the logic And, and, and Jim, Jim's a man who spends time in the word. I know he does, but uh, anyway.
2: I, uh, you you know, know one of my pet peeves in this portal era, and I certainly am not going to be the the guy yelling at the cloud, but when, when you operate in fear of the portal, it, 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 you know, you can see decisions all over the country. So this is just a Michigan thing. I'm pulling at 30,000 feet. One of my, one of my big pet peeves is the guys who enter the portal in August and September when they lose the job. Because that's, you're just basically quitting, right? And this is what, I I don't think anyone in this Michigan situation was going to just jump in the portal now. But we've seen a couple times guys lose jobs and then just go join another team before the start of the season. And that way they can, you know, and and it's understandable. You can go get acclimated. Or the guys who leave before spring practice annoys me too. It's like, go compete and get better for 15 practices. Uh, You know, don't just, don't just, jump in the portal in February and then atrophy for three, four months and then, and then go somewhere, uh, go somewhere else. But I really feel like in this Michigan case, as we talked a little bit about uh, earlier in the week, Reese, I really feel like it is appeasement driven. And the fascinating dynamic to me is how's the locker room reacting to this? Cause my impression yep. is that Cade McNamara is a guy who has the locker room and he yeah. should, cause cause he, he ran the table last year and good and good for him. So, that's where you you made the great chemistry analogy earlier in the week, Reese, and I really think that's going to be fascinating how that all bubbles up over the next uh, over the next couple of weeks. Uh, the good thing is Michigan's schedule is sponsored by Sharman. so it'd be hard, to, really hard to mess it up until they go to Iowa.
1: Be careful, your haunted house coach is coming in there. What, right <laughs> week three. Yes. Jim, Jim Mora, Mora I, bringing in the haunted Huskies. Yeah. That's uh, Hey, they
2: played pretty well on Saturday. They episode. did. They, yeah. they
1: played, they, they looked like, they looked like a ball club. They it, made the nutmeg yes. state proud of football yep. for the first time. Yeah. In, in a Jim minute. Mora yeah. knows
2: football. He, you know, yeah, he, he does. He, yeah. He's been around the block, bit. yeah.
0: Pollock, what else are you doing? From a, from a personal standpoint, I'm coaching girls flag football. That's been amazing. Um, <laughs> Who, on your girl, person. we
1: we we ran the Sam Pittman quote earlier on your girls' flag football team. I hope nobody's bringing the liquor, but figuratively, <laughs> who's bringing the liquor? Figuratively, I emphasize, who's bringing the liquor uh, on your girls' flag football team?
0: That's a tough. That's a tough question. Uh, a tough question <laughs> to answer and think about all the things that go into that. When I was a seventh grade girl, <laughs> um, uh, you know, I, I think we. We, we've got a, we've got a thumper and a real tone setter and, and her name's Hannah mustard. So, and she's the Ooh, type that kind name. of scares you. Yeah. She's, she's the type that kind of scares you. Like one of my assistant coaches, one of my buddy, Brent, he's, he's never worked with the girls and I've coached these girls, most of these girls in basketball and Hannah. And he looked at me one day and he was like, she scares me. <laughs> <And> I, was <laughs> like, I was like, you're absolutely right. And you should be. Cause she's just, hilarious quirky she'll say all kinds of different things but that's what and and you're and Pete you're right I I like you bringing up talking about quarterbacks and stuff like it's the personalities of a team that make it fun it's the personalities of a team that make it go but if you don't think that people have camps among the team of who they're going to support like if you don't think you know that people are going to say McNamara took us to a great level McNamara fed me the, the football like I'm going to be in his camp, and then if J.J. has more talent and he's slinging it all over the yard, he might give me more numbers. There's going to be people that are going to be in that camp, and and that's why it's hard to coach and mesh all these things together. And I think the transfer portal, like we should also – the transfer portal should be flipping closed right now. It should be flipping closed the season starts coaches are coaching the kids that are all there the kids are there they they need to they need to they need to fulfill their scholarship this season and be with their team that they've been with because we've we've counted on you being here like we've worked with you we're, we're coaching you we're pouring into you if you want to leave after the season absolutely do it do your thing go somewhere else but like the the portal should close when after camp finishes, you know, and now you go through a whole season and the portal can open back up after everybody's done with college football. And so it's not, you know, you're recruiting guys throughout a season, having to deal with all kinds of other headaches in college football. You got enough to deal with anyways.
1: From, uh, From a character standpoint and from a good of the greater good of the team standpoint, you're right. There's a very straightforward way to make that happen bargain collectively with the players, share the revenue with them, and then that will be part of the thing that the players have to give up in order to get some of the revenue is some of the uh, times in which they can go into the transfer portal. It's very straightforward. When, co- when college football governs itself as it should, mm-hmm. that will be one of the issues that is collectively bargained, I believe.
0: Uh, Agree. Yeah, and, and Agree with I, that, Reese. But I also think one thing, too. I also think this is best for the players because I was 45 minutes down the road, 45 minutes. So I'm not a long way from home. I was homesick. I wanted to come home. I was 45 minutes. Thank God. I had a coach. that was like, listen, dude, just get used to what you're doing. Get used to your surroundings. Get used to your coaches, get used to class, get used to all this stuff, you know, and then, and then we'll, we'll talk again after the season goes through. Like, part of growing up and and getting out of your comfort zone is experiencing new things. A lot of times it's not fun. And, but, but God uses those things to develop us and mold us and shape us and get us better and and grow us as individuals. And then we start to be able to handle different situations and different things. And I think these kids need to learn like, all right, like I got to give this a chance to really work and not when something gets tough right away, run again. I am for the transfer portal, but if we make them stick it out, you never know what might happen. When now I learned where you know where to go eat. Now I learned where to go work out. Now I learned that my coach isn't the biggest butthole in the face of the earth. He actually likes me, but this is the way he talks to freshmen, and this is the way I interpret it. You know, like so. I think it's I think it's also good for the um, for the kids and it, that are going through this that they understand. Like I have to stick this out, and I have to make most of it because then a lot of times you look up and you go. Okay, this ain't that bad. I'm kinda used to this.
1: But I, mean, has I, agree, I agree with you, but what if the coach really is?
0: And there are. There are, some, <laughs> there are some coaches that that are buttholes that like I I agree that aren't your type of deal. But you know what else you gotta learn in life? How to deal with difficult people, Reese. Like yes, sir. that's something that's gonna happen. So you gotta can, deal with them throughout the season. You chose to go there and like stick it out again for a season and then after the season ends. This difficult person, this person that's a pain in my butt, and by Felicia, I got
1: I can I can give a TED talk and teach a master class on that.
0: <laughs> Dealing with me, yeah,
1: I know. <laughs> I didn't say that. You're you're fairly easy. <laughs> <laughs>
2: If if you go through the list of the greatest players in the NFL, a majority, vast majority of them face significant adversity in their college careers. Um, Tom Brady, we talked about that him earlier in the week of the podcast. Dak Prescott was what what LSU offered him as a tight end. He redshirted. Uh, wasn't uh, Aaron Rodgers a JUCO before he went to Cal? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, yep. You know you could just you could just keep unspooling all of uh, all these. I remember watching Matt Ryan throwaway BC season when they could have gone to the Fiesta bowl uh, against Syracuse, uh, you know, at the end of that year, that was early on as a starter there. So I just, I, I think generally the system needs structure as, as David said, and and I think Reese, you made a great point about collective bargaining and I do think it is straightforward. And I, I think the, the conversations have started. We reported a couple weeks ago in the very, very embryonic nature of some type of breakaway. And I do think that's going to happen. And I just, I just think they're again, I'm not trying to limit anybody, but I just think generally the sport needs structure. I, I agree. Can, that's why
1: that's why I actually chose the word straightforward because I wanted to make sure I didn't say easy. It's not easy. Yes. The yes. path is the path is straightforward, but it's not going to be an, an easy thing to accomplish. All right, David. Go teach swim moves and nasty dispositions and arriving in a bad mood. We've enjoyed yeah, having all you on. Thanks for being with jump. us. That is one of two, three time all Americans at the university of Georgia, David Pollack and Herschel Walker. They're the only two. Let's pick some games. I I don't know how, I don't know how we uh, digressed onto the road of collective bargaining and transfer portal. Ah, Let's
2: pick That's games. good off season pod. We're in season. Let's, we're in yeah. season.
1: We're in season. But although now that Pollock's gone, Pete, and you know, you know who I'm going to put up? I told you earlier we're going to have a segment on um the transfer quarterbacks. Yeah. You know who I'm going to put up there? Jarrett Dagey. Oh my God. Whew.
2: He's had a wild ride.
1: He has. And now on the second on the depth chart at Troy, as they get ready to play Ole Miss.
2: Wow, I who was who just left Western the other day? Um, uh, well, he,
1: did did someone because he did? Yes, did did he end up at Troy? Yeah, he left there and now he's at Troy, and was how second about, on the depth chart according to the depth chart I saw this morning.
2: How about that? That's how about that, that that is that. There are some <laughs> there are some guys who've taken tours, man. Um, <laughs> they've taken tours. Who is the quarterback? I'm going to, it'll, it'll come to me. There was somebody who I just didn't think was around anymore. All of a sudden just appeared on, uh, you know, appeared at Memphis or somewhere like that. Yeah, It is remarkable because you get to know these guys like when they're juniors in high school. So this is like eight years of them being in your consciousness, you know, with these COVID years, that's just an unbelievable, uh, an unbelievable amount of time.
1: Yeah. And, and a couple of them, playing and uh, that have been around for a while and have been in the consciousness playing in the backyard brawl. I don't know if we're going to start picks there. Let's yeah. pick some games for Thursday night, do it against the spread. We had a couple of, I think we were, I don't really know what my record was from last weekend. We'll get to that when Bill Connolly joins us uh, on the Friday podcast to pick Saturday's games, sort of middle of the road. I know that it didn't work out taking Hawaii in points. That's for sure. But um
2: you had a good first I, I took away too. The, the first seven minutes were pretty great. And yeah, I know it was <laughs> feeling good 53. about I was feeling
1: good about yeah. life for a little while. And then and then uh, the doors got loose. Uh, yeah. Taylor, run the run the games and the spreads by us. And Pete Pete and I will pick Thursday night. We're ready
2: for ready for a full slate of Thursday night football. Let's do the backyard brawl first. The Pittsburgh Panthers are a seven and a half point favorite over the West Virginia Mountaineers. That line has moved a little bit. It was seven, I think, as recently as uh, as yesterday. That would be Tuesday in this case. So seven and a half. Pittsburgh Panthers favorite at home.
1: I'm I'm going to lay them and laugh. I think Pittsburgh's defensive line will get after JT Daniels. I think that you're going to see an emerging star at wide receiver. And who uh, who is transferred in from Akron to go to Pittsburgh, I think Slovis will be pretty good. Uh, but the defense mostly will harass JT Daniels and the Mountaineer offense, and send them back down the country roads with a more than seven and a half point loss. I'll take the Panthers.
2: I, uh, I I'm 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 with you, Reese. I really uh, I really feel like the I believe Pitt has one of the the three most offensive line returning starts. In the uh, in the country, Carter Warren, their left tackle is probably the the best NFL prospect on their roster, along with the immortal Habakkuk Baldonado, Rome mm-hmm. native, the defensive end. Um, this is a Pat Narduzzi team. They're going to be more balanced uh, than than last year's sort of Mark Whipple led uh, pass happy. Addison Pickett team and I feel like they'll 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 nicely grind this one out and they're not going to win by 30 or anything but I do think they 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 will cover. Boy, what a must must win game for the ACC right out of the bat, right? Your defending champion can't lose at home to a middle of the road Big 12 team. And you, that might be insulting the middle of the road.
1: You know, our researcher uh the great Marissa Downing said oh, she's that awesome. one, yeah. one of the uh one of the Ticket Brokers says that West Virginia has just about taken over the place formerly known as Heinz Field. It's going to be like 70%. Could that be true? That 70% of the crowd will be West Virginia fans?
2: That would be awesome because like we talked about on Monday, that would increase the hatred and rivalries are good. Local geography is good. People giving each other dirty looks at the water cooler on Friday when they're hungover is good. Um, yeah, bar bets, lunch bets, all that stuff. Mixed marriages in the four one two and South. Um, I'm I'm here for all of it, and I hope there's a West Virginia takeover. Like it would be, you know, look, look. Neil Brown' his job isn't in any danger because his buyout sixteen million. But like, people are waiting. They're waiting yeah. for it to to start. And if you're if you're a West Virginia fan, I I just think uh, you know patience is starting to wear thin. This would be a tenure turning game for him.
1: Haven't played in eleven years. Uh it's this one's gonna this one's gonna stick around a little while. What else you got, Taylor? Pete Pete goes first. Next one. Penn State is a three
2: and a half point favorite on the road against Purdue. Pete, what do you say? A salty little game here. And I uh you know, Vegas is good at their job because I don't have a ton of a ton of conviction. I, I think Purdue can win the game. Um I think the atmosphere is it's not quite sold out I was told yesterday but uh, it's it's pretty uh it's pretty well juiced up there Aiden O'Connell and the two Iowa transfers at receiver um I the, my favorite part of this matchup Reese is you have probably the biggest gunslinging play caller offensive coach in Jeff Brom going up against probably the biggest gunslinger defensive play caller in Manny Diaz. So, there are going to be turnovers, there are going to be defensive touchdowns, there are also going to be giant busts <laughs> because of the of the risks that are uh, that are taken. So, that said, I uh I am going to take Penn State to win and cover. Uh I feel like with Sean Clifford back, with an improved offensive line, with some of the talent they have at receiver and then the young young tailbacks and how they're used I just think they are pound for pound, talent-wise, much better, and they will be able to overcome what should be a, a raucous environment at ross Aid Stadium. When in doubt, pick the team with more talent.
1: Two top five wins last year, and as you mentioned, with the high risk, high reward, somebody's band is going to be playing <laughs> often. <laughs> And I think that that big giant drum is going to be beat on just a little bit more. I'll not only take the points, I'll take Purdue to win the game at home Thursday night opener outright. I'll take, I'll take boiler up.
2: All right. That's a, that is a, that is a bold pick that I completely respect. And, uh, I look forward to texting you and teasing you when you're wrong.
1: You have my number. Just know the (laughs) text go both
2: ways. (laughs) And I'm wrong quite a bit. So (laughs) Uh, so am I. So am I.
1: All we have to do is look at the record last week for sure.
2: (laughs) Taylor, what do you got? Let's do one more. This is the only other spread that is under 20 points for Thursday night. That is the Missouri Tigers at home, a 19 and a half point favorite over the Louisiana Tech Bulldogs. Reese, what do you think?
1: Um, that's a lot of points to lay. Um, I know some are higher on Missouri than I am right now that they're going with Brady cook at quarterback. I think they've got, uh, I think Pete talked about on the podcast earlier this week with the freshman five-star receiver, Luther burden. Um, certainly all excited about seeing him. That's, that's too many points debut at Louisiana Tech. We talked about their quarterback, I believe Matthew Downing. He comes over from TCU, and uh, Pete pointed out really good offense to play in if you just want to sling it around. So I think they'll score. I think Missouri wins the game, but it's too many points. So I'll take the points, but expect
2: Missouri to win the game. When you really cover college football like we do, you have to have opinions on players named Smoke and Smoke Monday was my favorite player last year in the uh, in the SEC. Well, Smoke Harris is my favorite player on Louisiana Tech. He is a he is a redshirt junior who is 5 foot 7 standing on a phone book if they still make phone books. And uh he is a little dynamo. Uh he and Trey Harris, uh the other star receiver at Louisiana Tech, are going to catch a ton of balls and they are going to go through a Missouri defense that I am not quite sold after watching them just get gashed last year over and over and over especially mm. up front so Louisiana Tech's gonna score some points I don't think Missouri is gonna lose this game but I am not uh I'm not gonna give I'm not gonna you uh, you're not gonna start smoke Harris with 19 and a half points and have him lose the game so I will uh I will take Louisiana Tech uh Sonny Cumbie's debut and uh yeah they're gonna they're gonna come in you know ready to just ready to ready to ready to unload on uh, at Old Ferret Field. So I'm excited for that game. I think that could be a close game. I think it may be a close game.
1: Taking so. over for my man Skip Holtz is uh, Sonny Cumbie, and they they had, it wasn't quite frosty and bad luck, but Louisiana Tech had a lot of unfortunate things happen over the last couple of years that, that cost them games, but they have been a solidly, Coach team and Cumby uh, comes in with a little more aggressive offense. So yeah, I think they, I think they keep it close. So that's the Thursday night. The other one, uh, we're not going to pick it. I'm not sure. I, I'm quite convinced on Oklahoma State early in the season laying that many points, even if it is a semi revenge game from six years ago. in Central Michigan, that's like three touchdowns. If you want a little bonus.
2: They are slow starters. Yeah. Uh, I think you're hinting at that. That's, yeah, that's uh,
1: exactly what I'm hinting at. Hinting at is they they get out of the gate slowly and improve as the season goes along yeah. historically. So, Pete, that was fun, man. Let's yeah, uh, we'll do it again on Friday and really lay into some big time games with Bill Connolly joining us and see how we do against the spread and get ready to get the very latest on from you on quarterback decisions and. Uh, various news and nuggets. So travel safely, my friend. Look forward to seeing you in Columbus. Thanks. Look forward to seeing you, Rich.
2: Appreciate it. I'll bring the liquor.